In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Christ is in our midst. He was, and is, and ever shall be. On this Sunday, the second Sunday of the Triodion, that this time that we were preparing for the coming of Great Lent, the Church has chosen that we hear today this perfect, multifaceted parable of the prodigal son. Now, this parable, again, is multifaceted. It, had, it has different, all kinds of things going on. It has all kinds of Im- imagery that we can learn from about ourselves and about the spiritual life and the purpose of our Orthodox Christian faith. And before we say anything, I recommend, especially this week, to take your weekly bulletin home with you and to just read the parable that we heard this morning and really take it to heart and hang on its meaning. And that this, Jesus wrote this parable, yes, to speak to his disciples and yes, to speak to even the Pharisees and the scribes, but also he wrote this in order to, for you. And this, and this message is here for you to come home. Now, this parable has three messages. The first, in a, in a, first it's a parable of the fall, that is, of Adam's sin. Secondly, it's a parable of the spiritual life of repentance. And then thirdly, this parable, probably most important of all, is that it's a parable of the gospel. It's a parable of the good news. It's a parable of salvation. So we know that in this parable, the father represents God. The young son represents every single sinner from Adam to you and to me today. Those are sinners needing to go home who found themselves afar, who found themselves prodigals and lost and needing salvation. And then finally, the the older son, also a sinner, also a prodigal in a way, who while never left his home and his father's side, found himself estranged, not just from his father, but also from his brother. So let's talk a little bit about these three aspects of this gospel. First of all, this parable as a, as a parable of sin and of the fall. Now, Adam's sin, where he disobeyed God and said, I'm going to live my own way without God, believing the lie of the devil has said you will live better and higher if you, are, if you disobey God's command. Adam is represented by the younger son, again, as is we are. Now, the younger son made this crude, sick, foolish agreement with his father. What did he say in so many words? The son said to his father, let you and I agree, father, that you from this time forth will no longer exist in my life. I'm going on my own. I'm cutting myself off from my ties with you. And however, while I want this, give me my inheritance. 
Give me what belongs to you, and I assume you're going to give to me so that I can go off on my own. I want your generosity, but I do not want you. This is the image of Adam's sin and the fall. Why do we call it the fall of Adam, by the way, of all the different images? Because what is a fall? If you throw a rock off of a cliff, and as it goes through, it gets farther and farther away from the one who threw it at an ever-increasing rate. This is how the church describes the fall of Adam and of sin of one who is not turning back to their father. It's accelerated estrangement akin to gravity. It's like jumping out of a plane without a parachute. Now the sun went far off and he had his riches. He probably had some bag of coins and he spent it and he, was, he thought he was more alive than ever. He was having fun. He was having all kinds of things. But one thing he forgot is that that money is, is finite. It runs out. If he didn't run out of money, he would have run out of his health and he would have died. The money doesn't last forever. And he came to his senses. That's why we say that the the other aspect of this parable is that it is a parable of the spiritual life and repentance. The young prodigal soon realized that his inheritance alone could not sustain his life. He initially thought it was. He deluded himself that he was, but his riches ran out. And in the life that he thought came from his riches, he came to his senses there and there, then and there in the mud pit, in the pig slop, and he realized that his true life comes from being home, comes from being with his father, at his side, having fellowship, sharing conversations, Loving and being loved back and being together. Life is not, does not constitute, is not constituted by things. Our life is constituted by communion. Now we mean communion in two ways. Communion meaning that our life is sustained by our life and our connection with our God. And all the aspects that we have in our life. That means means communicating. That means thinking like the Father. Being of one heart. Being of one mind with God. And being at peace and harmony and communion with each other. That kind of communion is what gives us life. Jesus said what his will and his food was to do the will of his Father. Jesus had perfect communion and perfect life with his Father. And he invites us all to do the same. And also, as an extension of that communion, that connection with God, is literally the body and blood that we receive in a Holy Communion every Sunday. That comes out of our connection and our communion with God our Father. Life is an ongoing exchange. It's a sharing of life. God shares his life with us, and we get to share our life with him and we share our lives together with our neighbors and this is what the perfection and the end of the spiritual life is holy communion 
So the spiritual life is also reflecting, as the prodigal did, deeply reflecting on our relationship with God, on what being present with God does for us, how our fellowship with God can bring us joy and safety and peace and serenity and realize that it's our life is in our relationship with him. The spiritual life is going home. Just as an aside, excuse me for my voice, someone asked me, Father Michael, this Sunday about the prodigal son, especially mention the older son. He wanted to hear about the older son. What about the older son? Well, in reality, this older son, though he lived in the father's house and he had the father all the time, he too, when it came to it, was estranged from his father. He was living with his father, but as the expression goes, he was living like two ships passing each other in the night. Have you heard that expression before? Two ships passing in the night. He was physically present with the father in his body, but in his heart and his mind, he also was doing his own thing. He thought he was doing what he had to do, thinking that if he did what he had to do, he also would earn this inheritance as a kind of salary, as opposed to an expression of this communion with his father, and that the father says, I want everything I have is yours, and I want to share with you, share with you. And so this man, this older son, was estranged from his father. And how else can we tell that? By his reaction when the younger son came home. The father was excited, and he was overjoyed, and he ran out of the house and met his returning son there before he can even enter the property and embraced him. And as Jesus says, that a tree is known by his fruit. The older son, if he had fruit like the father, would have had the same joy and happiness, and it would be running outside, side by side with his father to greet his son. But what did this older son have? He had bitterness. He was angry. He didn't think what was going on was right. His reaction his heart and his mind was disconnected from his father. I paid my dues, essentially, the older son said. And why don't you give me the recognition? We don't need recognition. We have God the Father. We have Christ. We have everything we need. If we think we need recognition, then ask ourselves, am I really connected to what God wants? And then finally, the third aspect, this parable as being a parable of the gospel and of the good news of salvation. It's represented by the fact that, that the, the parable says the father never ceased loving both of his sons. The father's love and never ceasing is an icon of the fact that God has never stopped ever loving every single human being that he has created. God loves all men and all, and all women. He's waiting for every prodigal to come home. He calls every prodigal to think about what they have when they're home 
and what they lose when they're cut off from this fellowship. And he calls everyone to return, body, heart, and soul, to the God. And the reaction is, when we return and go home, the Father will rejoice. The angels in heaven, Jesus says, unlike the older father, the angels in heaven rejoice, it says, when one sinner returns to God. The saints, like the father, will rejoice when one sinner rejoices and goes home to God. And the gospel is, the good news, is that we can all return and go home to God the Father despite our sinfulness, despite the many times that we renounce our communion with God. He never stops loving us. He loves us today. He loves us right now. And he will love us forever. So the father in the parable held nothing back. He instantly ran and met his son, restored everything that the son had squandered. He restored, he received him not as a slave, as the son in his right sentence was even willing to be, but has received him as a full son. And the father mended everything. And rather than saying, as many earthly fathers may say, if a son returns, depart from me. You owe me. You need to make up for what you have done. The father simply rejoiced in his heart and in his words and in his acts. God rejoices that you're all here today because we could be anywhere. But God rejoices that we're all here today. We have come home again this Sunday to be with the, 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 the rest of our brothers and sisters, the body of Christ, the church of Christ Rejoicing in what God has done for us and rejoicing that we have all, all of us, each other, have returned home. And let us always remember the, the love that the Father, God our Father, has for us.